0: Tech podcast, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem. Right, this is Graham Asian Tech Podcast in the uh, middle of the show floor at ZeroCon in Australia. And um, the reason why I'm doing Asian Tech Podcast here today, because this is what it's all about. You know, and what is it all about, Graham? Well, here's a fact for you: 200,000 years of human history, the last 12 only were lived online. So if you were to just do the numbers on that, it's something like, and I'm gonna ask some of these accountants, I'm sure they're pretty good with numbers. It's something like 0.01, so 0.01% of our existence has been online and 99 point remainder has been offline. Meaning that all of our meaning is found in the offline space you know, the human brain is geared towards offline analog interaction and 12 years of online ain't going to rewire that. That's millions, I don't know, billions of years of evolution in that organism there. And as much as we talk about millennials this and millennials that, the reality is, is nothing can replace offline contact. And that's very much true in technology as it is in branding as it is in just human interactions in general. You know, there's a hormone in the brain, I believe it's called something like oxytocin, and uh, I'm sure some bio people can pull me up on this. So basically, let me just rewind a little bit. Oxytocin is this hormone generated by the brain, and it is generated um, in response to contact and I think it's something to do, like, you know, when babies are born, the brain, I'm sure I might've got the wrong hormone or the wrong chemical, generates this oxytocin to reward the behavior of contact. So when you have contact between mother and baby, it creates this hormone. My point being is that it's hardwired in the brain for physical contact. And, the, you know, you can't replace that with, an, uh, a, you know, a a WhatsApp message. You can't replace that with an online platform. That connection is in the chemistry, in the nuts and bolts of human interaction, right? And I think they've actually done studies on this. I remember when I was in the, the business of technology and helping tech companies understand young people, one of the studies that was run at the time was a study by uh, some university somewhere which ran sort of this split, this split condition, A and B, with A condition was like mothers and daughters. But the condition B was mother's daughters communicating by the uh, text messaging or BBM as it was at the time, which was really popular for young girls. So the the story was is that they tested oxytocin levels, and it might have even been cortisone. I don't know. You, you hit me up on this, Graham Brown. So GB at ATP show. GB at ATP show if you know what hormone I'm talking about. But the point being is that they basically, here's what they did, they measured the stress levels of daughters in two different conditions. One was where they were communicating with their mothers by a BBM, BlackBerry message, and the second where they were communicating with their mothers who sat next to them in the room. And they found that as much as young teenage girls loved uh, messaging each other, at the end of the day, that nothing could replace human, social, analog, offline contact. And if that works for young teenage girls, it's going to work for every generation because that's the hardest generation to please, right? And they're the most technologically forward-thinking. So we are social by design, and a lot of that social meaning is generated in the offline space. Our brain is hardwired to the analog offline. Well, so what does this mean for brands and why are we here at zero? Well, take a look at this data. I've talked about the 200,000 years of human history. Look at that in the context of Apple. Apple are one of the most successful tech brands of all time and one of the first trillion dollar brands. And when you think of Apple, you think of tech, you think of innovation, you think of Steve Jobs' ideas and challenging the status quo with new technological frontiers, yet really Apple weren't that innovative. A lot of what they pushed out there was done already, like the iPod was already out there. The iPad was already out there. The point being is that Apple weren't a tech company. Let me explain, 63% of Apple's US employees actually worked in the Apple store. So. Really what that means is that Apple, if you look at it, Apple were a retail company. They were a retail company selling tech products. If you look at it purely by how their business was geared and it was offline retail, there was nothing more offline than the store. You think of the experience that Apple creates when you walk into the store, you interact with the genius crew who are, you know, those, uh, that sort of well-trained, you um, advocates of Apple products who walk up to you and you think they're just kind of an Apple fan, but in reality, they're actually working at the store. You know, that is the Apple brand right there, offline, human contact. Whether it's grandma that walks in or some road warrior that walks in, that is how they experience the Apple brand. Not online, not in the brand logo. It's there, offline, in that moment. And the point being is that anything that you do online, really should augment rather than replace the offline. So that goes back to the 200,000 years of human history. If you're going to use technology, use technology to augment that offline experience. You cannot replace it. So Apple has the retail store. zero here, which is a tech platform, accounting, business, beautiful businesses, they put it. They have ZeroCon, which is 3,000 people gathered in this community for two or three days offline. It cannot happen online. Online can augment it, but it can never replace it. That's the experience of the Zero brand. And you would say that, well, yes, Zero are a tech company, but really they're an events company that has a tech product. In the same way, Apple is a retail company that sells phones and tablets, which then comes to what the point of today's Asia Tech podcast is and why we're here in the bars, the hustle and bustle of this tech event is that it's about people and people are the brand. So let me explain. Let's say you get on an airline and you get onto the plane And this, you've got onto the plane because this airline has spent millions on targeting potential customers and sending you to new destinations. You bought a ticket, as I saw advertised just the other day, AirAsia are flying to Fukuoka for 200 SING dollars from Singapore, a new route. So that's advertising, I see it, I get on the plane, but if, if AirAsia, if that flight steward, the flight attendant, through one single interaction was to neg me out. The millions that they had spent on branding, on advertising would be wiped out by one single negative human interaction. So the people very much are the brand. That experience of interaction with the people is more important than anything we can concoct in a brand strategy meeting. Experience is not a logo. Experience is how we as human beings interact with each other offline in the analog space, because that is where meaning is made. A logo, an online platform can augment it, but the real experience is when you hold somebody's hand, you say hello, or you have a coffee or a beer with somebody and you talk, that will never go away. And even in the world of AI, as more and more we focus on process automation, more and more we focus on the heavy lifting of taking much of the business out of the human domain into the domain of bots and chatbots and you know, like uh, stuff like uh, even some of the tools that we use in our business like Zapier, which are automation tools. The more and more companies get good at that, the more and more the premium is on the companies that also balance that with offline interaction, the real human stuff. So really all of that repro- remote process automation, the process automation of you know the, the sequences, the sales, the marketing, the customer service, the more that that happens, the more we also need to fo- you know, focus on the, the real value creation which is that offline human interaction. So if people are the brand, customer experience becomes the product. So the reason why I fly AirAsia and not Scoot, for example, is not the brand, not necessarily the funny marketing campaigns, but the experience that I have of that brand and then sharing that with other people. That becomes the product itself of which an airline seat is one part of it. So I think what's happening here and what we experience from coming to events like this is that... Accounting software is just one part of the bigger picture. And that bigger picture is the whole experience. Because at the end of the day, what separates these guys from the next guys? Nothing. The, nothing separates them at all technologically because all of that can be copied and will be copied. There was a time when zero had the cloud and the competition were on CDs. That's going away. Now they're all on the cloud. And the differences between A and B in any sector are going, what's the difference between Grab, Gojek, and Uber? Very little in terms of product. They're all doing the same thing. They're all doing the same thing with the same people, with the same customers. So we're going to move into this platform world where everybody's going to end up with the same product. Product will become commodity. And it's only in the brands that realise that, and realise that the only differentiating point, moat, barrier to entry between them and the next guy is not the, not their access to some technology, because that's a marginal and a a transitionary, transient, I suppose, technological advantage that will go away. Because I mean, look at, for example, what's happening in China. You, you track the story of Groupon, for example, which is the failed um, group buying app, which you know, was copied by Meichuan in China. And then within a year, Meichuan had 5,000 clones in China. That's how fast the speed of change is. If you have any technology, somebody's going to copy it and replicate it really, really fast. So, the experience itself becomes the part you cannot replicate. I cannot replicate an experience, for example, if, if you meet Kevin, the regional MD for Asia for Zero, and you have a good experience of interacting with Kevin, then you cannot take that experience and clone it. But you can take the Zero platform and clone that, and it will be cloned. But it's the human interaction which remains the barrier to entry. So my point being is that in the world of digital transformation, as much as it's about digital, the part that digital really fits into is the heavy lifting, the automation and enabling the the product to shine, which is the customer experience. So then the question is, is for these platforms, as we move from pipelines to platforms in the world of digital transformation, what is the strategy? The strategy then becomes about community. People are the brand, customer experience is the product, and community is the strategy. Community is how all of these brands will differentiate themselves from each other, building community. Because like the Kevin example, the only way that I will be loyal to one brand is because of my interaction and my experience with those people. So it then becomes important for these brands to empower every single person within their organization as their marketing and experience for that brand. Not this sort of monolithic pipeline approach to branding. Branding is dead. Brand experience is the new marketing. So how do you do that in an organization of thousands? Rather than have one story, you have to have this story where everybody has the tools to project their version of that brand to their people. And everybody knows 150 people authentically. So let's break that down. How do you build a community strategy in the world of digital transformation? Well, we've discussed, we are social by design. And the, if you think about it, what is the, one of the most severe penalties that you can impose upon somebody, a criminal, is to put them in jail. You remove them from society. But even then in jail, there's a society, you know, if you're a, a felon in jail, you already have a community, and in many ways, that's actually a community better than some of the communities that they've left. And the worst punishment meted on a felon is actually solitary confinement, which is basically to remove the worst offenders from a community and put them on their own. And you probably think that solitary confinement is like, oh, that that's pretty cool. I have a vacation in jail. I'll just get away from all the inmates. It's not like... Amnesty International has said that solitary confinement is like one of the most brutal punishments of all time. I've studied solitary confinement in my, well, my psychological, my previous life of psychology. And solitary confinement, as much as you think it's cool, and you think it's like a break, and it's a bit of like a R&R in a prison, it mentally, and they've actually shown this, biologically, your brain actually breaks down your brain deteriorates and your neuropsychological functions fall apart because you don't have physical contact. So the point being is that we crave human interaction and therefore the strategies of brands in the world of digital, as more and more companies go AI, more and more companies get lazy, less and less companies double down on human. Those that do, the rewards are the highest. How do you do that? This starts with, Your touch points, where do you touch your community on a day-to-day basis? It may be an event. It may be some kind of educational seminar, but there is a physical touch point that you have. It could be a retail space with your community on a day-to-day basis. That is your front line. That is where the moment of truth happens, where people talk to you and give you direct feedback on what you're about, none of this, focus group bullshit, none of this survey bullshit. It's real. People talk to you and they open up and offer insights. And the key then is how do you build a community strategy around that? You have to use your frontline as your funnel. So for us, for example, as a podcasting media agency, our frontline our events, so initially taking them online because they're easier to organize and then taking them offline. But that's our frontline, that's where we touch people, that's where we get to find out about the community and they interact with us. You may have a store, you may have an event like ZeroCon, whatever it may be, but double down on your frontline and build a cyclical flywheel into that so that everything you do drives into that touch point and then drives out of it. And- Keep that cycle going with podcasts and communication. Then the second part of your community strategy is go upstream. So real communities are not built in handbooks. Real communities are built by people caring about people. So my point being is that if you want to create great communities, start by hiring great people. So if you trace all of that back, if community becomes the strategy and customer experience the product, recruitment is your new advertising. Now let's just back up a little bit and understand that. Recruitment, so your selection of people, the way you select them, the way you onboard them, the way you gather partners, it's not just your employees, but also your channel partners, that becomes at the end of the day, downstream, the brand experience that people have of your brand. So the decisions you make in the recruitment process become the experiences that people have about your brand in time. So if you want to create an amazing brand, focus on recruitment. Don't focus on brand strategy or outsourcing it to some marketing agency. Focus on your resources on getting the right people. Because if you get the right people on board, they'll figure it out. They'll work out a way to get things done, to interact with the right people. And if you empower those people, if you break down the walls that stops people being human, stops people acting according to their own instincts and their own, you know, north stars and compasses, then people will do the right thing. You don't need to tell somebody that they've, a customer's having a problem, you need to look at the rule, but you just say, how can I help? Let me fix this. I'll work it out for you. That starts with getting the right people on board day one, day zero, no pun intended. Upstream, your brand starts upstream. That's the key to building a successful brand and experience in the world of digital transformation. So the last part to this is mindset. Now we talked at the beginning about digital transformation and how in the world of digital that 99.9% of our meaning existed in the offline space and still will, how biologically and neurologically we're geared around analog. How can you win in that space? It comes down to mindset, because at the end of the day, digital transformation is about people, not about digital. And the mindset here is the shift from pipeline to platform. There's a lot of talk about platforms these days. But what is that? I think you can only understand what a platform is when you understand what it was before. And that was a pipeline. In the old world of communications, and I had some good conversations about communications today with some of the communications team at Zero, who are really on point with this, is that In the old world of communications, it was a pipeline. It was one brand story pushed down through a pipeline to the end user who was a media channel or customer or HR, it could have been recruitment function even. It was one monolithic brand story. That was the one to many world where it was all about broadcast. Then guys got smart with technology and they realized actually they could move from one-to-many to to this one-to-one thing where I can channel targeted messages to you. The problem is with one-to-one and why one-to-one doesn't work is because your brand communication doesn't exist in a world of one. The average teenager grows up seeing 17,000 marketing messages by her 17th birthday of which your one message is just one. It's a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. So the point being, if you're focused on one-to-one, you're going to get lost in the noise. And there's a heck of a lot of noise. And even that 17,000 stat, which I throw from Daniel Kahneman, I think, or David Kahneman, apologies if I got that right, the psychologist, that's old. That's like 10 to 15 years old, that stat. So let's even assume it's like 30 to 50,000, of which your message is one. That's the pipeline model. No matter how good it is, no matter how much you spend on... Creative advertising, no matter how much you spend on getting that award-winning marketing agency, you just won. Because if I see your ad, then I listen to a hundred voices talking about your brand, or I go online or interact with friends, or I watch YouTube or go to social media. There are thousands of interpretations from the whole spectrum of great to terrible of your brand out there. A great case in point, Glassdoor. Nobody likes appearing on Glassdoor. When you Google your company and your Glassdoor review pops up, that is often disgruntled employees talking about your brand, ex-employees, sorry. So no matter how much you spend on you know diversity or inclusion strategies or CSR or recruitment, That's just one of many, many competing or complementary brand narratives out there about you and what you're communicating. So one-to-one does not work because you cannot have this, it's almost selfish, this complete attention of your audience anymore. That world has gone. That world was a world where you had four channels on the TV. That no longer exists. There's... Thousands of potential ways that I can gather information about you and your brand So we're moving from one-to-many With we're going through one-to-one, one, which is like the transition and now we're moving to a world of many-to-many many. In a world, it's like bird song You're like birds singing to each other without sort of centralized mediated control of the message so how do you then win in a world of many to many because the fear that brands have in this world is that if I give my people the tools to tell their story, it's going to be a complete disaster. Yet again, it goes back to like, for example, if you wanted to train people to look after your customers, you don't need to train people to be human beings. What you need to do is break down the walls that prevent your people doing what they do naturally. If somebody sees somebody fall over in the street, you don't need a manual to go and help that auntie up off the floor. It's natural as a human being to go and help somebody, say, hey, you're right, how can I help? You don't need to be trained to do that. What stops you doing that are customer service training manuals or company policies or hierarchies where people look around and think, wait, maybe somebody else is gonna step in and help this auntie off the floor, right? If it's just you, and psychologists have studied this and they, they, they've they studied a phenomena called de- disindividuation, something like that, which is basically like in a crowd or in a hierarchy, what happens is, is that people kind of defer to other people. And think, oh, they're going to fix it, right? And there's, they've done studies on this. There's a study called the Smoke in the Room Experiment, which basically put people in a room and they, they put in um, somebody. They, they hired these students to take these sort of fake um, recruitment interviews. And they said they were going to have a, an interview. Uh, let me just back up. But basically, what it is is they said, you're coming for a job interview. And they had real candidates and then fake candidates who are actors. So they, they put the candidates in the room on their own and they said, can you fill out this questionnaire just as we do like a pre-interview, um, you know, fact find. And they sat in the room and during this fact find, smoke sort of seeped in from under the, 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 uh, the door into the room and they timed it. How long would it be before that person realized something was wrong? And they said, hey, wait, 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 there's smoke coming out, there's a fire. And then they compared that condition with the same where they had people sitting in a room. But instead of having just the one person on their own, they sat with actors. So you'd have like, you know, the one candidate with like 10 actors sitting there. And the time it took that real candidate to act and say something was wrong was significantly longer because they all sort of deferred and looked around and said, hey, what are you doing? And maybe, you know, I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to be the one to stand up and say something's wrong. So, my point being, in an organization that empowers people, that deconstructs hierarchy, people know how to act properly. So, to rewind that a little bit, if you're talking about telling brand stories, well, if you have an organization which is hierarchical, which has this handbook, which is this is our brand and this is the story you're going to tell, then you create barriers. Then you get the smoke in the Rumix effect, the bystander effect. Whereas, if you break that down and said, look, just be a good human. Just be, you know, according to your own internal compass, what it takes to serve people well and tell a story. Here are some guidelines, here's on point. Then if that's the case, people know how to tell a brand story, right? They know how to tell their story about their interactions with customers and keeping it on point with the meta messages of what the brand is and is about People do great interpretations of that. And if you allow your people to tell the brand story, that is how you win in the many-to-many age. Rather than, and what I've seen is this, here's our brand story, now share it on social media. That's bullshit. What it should be is this is our guidelines for who we are and what we're about and what we stand for. Now here's a megaphone. Now go and tell your story authentically in a human way to your people. And that is how you win in the many-to-many age. And that is how you create meaningful offline interaction. And again, if 200,000 years of human history is anything to go by, that ain't going to change overnight. If you want to win in the world of digital transformation, double down on the analog. And focus on what it means to be human. Hi, this is Graham Brown. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast, powered by Pitch Media. Now, Asia Tech Podcast is voice of the Asian tech ecosystem. We regularly bring you updates from leading storytellers in Asia. If you want to get more, go to our SoundCloud channel. That is available at atp.show slash SoundCloud atp.show slash SoundCloud. Follow the link. You'll find our SoundCloud channel. And if you're a podcast fanatic, go and subscribe to us and follow us on SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your feedback on our latest episodes.